0: Listeners, again, to the Radical Life Support podcast series on the ABCs of the Attributes of God. We're so glad you're joining us again today. I was so encouraged by a listener who said that these podcasts are coming out at a perfect time to strengthen her faith in God. That is our purpose all along, because sometimes we can forget how amazing our God truly is. Let's start with our quote from A.W. Tozer, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Today's attribute comes from the letter L. God is long-suffering. Now let's define long-suffering. It's more than just patience. It's a long, patient endurance of an insult, abuse, or mistreatment. You are patiently enduring a lasting offense or hardship, forbearance under ill-treatment with no thought of retaliation, patient endurance and steadfastness under suffering and in the face of adversity. The word long-suffering in the Bible is made up of two Greek words meaning long and temper. So it's really long-tempered. Another way to describe it is to say that God has a long fuse when he's stirred to anger. And the Bible is clear that he can be stirred to anger. God has a limit as seen in the Old Testament with the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah and with the exile of the Israelites to Babylon. But even through that, He was long suffering and he saved the faithful and gave promises of restoration and prosperity. God is patient with sinners and he uses tremendous self restraint. Sometimes we may seriously try his patience, but he is not a God who flies off the handle and immediately retaliates based solely on emotions and without forethought. That is not a long suffering God. We should never think of God as succumbing to or becoming reckless in his anger. God's attributes of mercy and love, they are an intertwining part of God's long-suffering nature. His desire always is for reconciliation and drawing a person closer to himself. Knowing that God is long-suffering should give you hope that his forgiveness, restoration, and transforming power are yours just for the asking. It's never too late to come to God. He's patient and waiting for you. When it comes to learning about God as long-suffering and patient, you also learn about God's timing and his way of doing things. We live in a very fast-paced world and we don't like to wait for anything. But God doesn't work on the world's or on our timetable. He has his own ways, which are quite different. He's slower, patient, not hurried at all in any way. If you don't learn this about God, you will become impatient with him, but he's not going to adjust himself to your view of him. You must adjust your view of God to who he really is. It's funny that you always hear Christians complaining about waiting on God, but believe me, God does a lot more waiting on us than we do on him. So let's reveal God as long-suffering through the word, through creation, through Jesus, and in our hearts. And we will start with First Corinthians thirteen four. That's very famous. God's love is patient, God's love is kind. Exodus thirty-four six says, The Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, is slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. My NIV says many verses like this with similar wording are all throughout the Old Testament, and they are a great self characterization of God, and it runs like a golden thread through the Old Testament. I love how they said that. God suffered long and hard with the Israelites. There are books in the Bible speaking in length of how he protected his people again and again and again and again, they did not repent. They did not follow his ways. They hardened their hearts and they turned away to worship other gods. And it broke his heart and stirred his anger. Hosea 7.13 says, Woe to them because they have strayed from me and have rebelled against me. I long to redeem them, but they speak lies against me. They do not cry out to me from their hearts. They turn away from me. I trained them and strengthened them, but they plotted evil against me. They do not turn to the Most High. When God miraculously took them out of Egypt, all they did was complain. And when the people decided God wasn't big enough to have them go and take the promised land, he made them wait 40 years in the desert, a whole generation, before they could take the land that he promised to them. 2 Peter 3 says, Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but he wants everyone to come to repentance. Because God lives in eternity, he can wait very patiently. That's his nature. But we wait in time and are impatient. His delay is not because he doesn't care or he's indifferent, quite the contrary. 2 Peter 3 goes on to say, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation to you. The Bible states that all of God's seeming delays are actually lovingly purposeful and perfectly divine ways. This long-suffering God shows great patience with the purpose to bring about repentance. How does God reveal himself as long-suffering through creation? I thought of two examples in creation farming and construction. We want instant everything, which includes instant Christian growth and maturity. God works in miracles. He does. I don't deny that, but it does seem more often than not that he works within the laws of creation where there's order and a specific process on how things work. James 5, 7, and 8 says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Here James is using creation, farming in particular, to show how we should be patiently waiting for the Lord's return. So think of this analogy of farming a crop and our growth. Here it is shown a clear process. There's a specific season to plant the seed. Uh, The seed needs good rich soil to be fruitful. The seed lays dormant in the ground and it seems like nothing's happened. Then it pushes through the earth and we see a sprout of growth. During the growing period, the plant stretches and pushes, pushes upward and it needs sun and rain. The crop must complete its full growth cycle in order for the crop to mature and ripen. It is a definite process and you can't speed up this process. Now think of an analogy between construction of a house and our growth. Here I think it is showing a very clear order. For example, you have to have obviously a firm foundation. You start with that. And the Bible clearly states, if you build on sand, no matter how seemingly strong the building, it will fold under pressure. You need a solid foundation, which is the foundation of God and Jesus Christ in your life. God is your designer and he makes out the blueprint. Okay. And everything must be in specific dimensions in order for all the pieces to fit together. You don't start with the roof. Obviously, you have to have walls first. That's the best order for it. You cannot take shortcuts or use inferior quality materials. God provides all the resources to establish you and keep you firm and steadfast. Once the house is complete, you bring in the furniture and it becomes useful. God shows us through creation that there's a process and an order, both spiritually and physically. When we become impatient, maybe tired or uncomfortable, or we don't like the process or order, we will rebel against God. And this is when his long-suffering nature truly comes into place. He often then stops and he waits for us to submit ourselves back into his loving hands. He's the potter. We are the clay. We have to participate in the growth and get back on the potter's wheel. He doesn't force us to grow. But he will then nudge us, remind us, and continue always to pursue us. When I thought of God's long-suffering nature in regards to construction, I thought of Noah's Ark. Here God was preparing to pour out his wrath on mankind. It says God was grieved and his heart was filled with pain. 1 Peter 3.20 says, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which eight persons were brought safely through the water. I believe it took Noah, what, a hundred years to build the ark? Why didn't God just send a plague to kill all the wicked people and just keep the plague from Noah's family? I'm not sure exactly, but a plague definitely would not have had the same effect as this story has had even today. In my mind, this story is so awesome. And think of all the children who have been fascinated by the story in the Bible with the animals and the ark and the rainbow. He was long-suffering on purpose because he knew the effect that this story would have. And even like people do geological studies to try to prove that the flood wasn't or was in effect, his long-suffering in this regard was intentional. You have to imagine, too, that Noah suffered persecution from his neighbors while he was building the ark. And we should follow Noah's example to obey God no matter the cost or no matter what other people say. Finally, God sealed it with a promise to all mankind that he would never destroy the world again in that way. As a side note, it rained 40 days and 40 nights Jesus fasted in the desert 40 days. The Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years. I believe God works in numbers. And sometimes if you think there's a delay in something happening and you want to know what God is doing, it's possible he's working in the numbers. He has things happen for a reason on certain days and within certain time frames. And it's good to know how God works so you don't become impatient with God and don't give up on him. How does God reveal himself now as long-suffering through our Lord Jesus Christ? God promised to bring the Messiah, the Savior of the world, from the beginning. And there are prophecies about Jesus throughout all of the Old Testament. But it took thousands of years before Jesus' birth. And there's 400 years in between the Old and the New Testaments. During that time, Rome was conquering from England to Africa, And there was introduced good roads for traveling, a common language, and many other conditions that were conducive to later to share the gospel to many nations. Here again, God works within the structures of the world and what may seem like a long process to set everything up in place to bring about his divine plan. We might think that there's a different, quicker way, but it's his perfect way. And we have to trust God that he knows what he's doing. Jesus was born, and then he didn't start his ministry until he was 30. He waited for God's timing, and during those 30 years, the Bible simply says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Of course, he made the best use of his time while he waited. He was perfectly patient, for sure, because he was sinless, and he knew all along why he came to the earth in the first place. One time, Jesus' friend Lazarus was dying, and he didn't come to heal him right away. Now, his sisters knew that if Jesus came, he, he would be healed, but instead he waited two more days to come to the town, and he said he waited that God would be glorified in a great way, and that is exactly what happened when he raised Lazarus from the dead. We don't always understand until later why things happen the way they happen, and we have to be patient as God works things out for our good and his glory. Jesus definitely demonstrated long-suffering. He was persecuted, mocked, insulted, scorned, blasphemed, rejected, betrayed, attacked, arrested, falsely accused, beaten, and murdered. Why did it have to be that way? Why did he have to suffer so to bring a salvation? When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he asked the Father if there was any other way. He knew nothing was impossible with God, but he said, not my will, but yours be done. That is a long-suffering statement. Hebrews 2 2.9, he suffered death, so by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. And he, he endured it all gracefully, without retaliation for you and for me. And on the cross, after all that mistreatment, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The apostle Paul said in first Timothy one, Jesus Christ came to the world to save sinners of whom I'm the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Jesus Christ might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Paul came to understood that what was happening in his life helped to magnify the glorious patience and mercy of Jesus Christ. He saw in his life the big picture and from God's perspective, and that's what we need to do too. The ultimate example of God's long-suffering is his waiting for individuals to respond in faith to Jesus Christ. And each one of us must make that decision. From the moment we are born... God is directing us to see and believe in his son. I know a lot of people who will either won't initially believe in Jesus or won't mature in their faith because they know there's a chance that God will ask them to suffer in some way. They fear hardship and trials and persecution, and God is long-suffering with them. Romans 2.4 says, "...or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience?" not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. First Peter says, Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example, you should follow in his footsteps. Jesus entrusted himself to God. If you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name. So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. It's a mindset. We should feel honored to suffer for the Lord, not have it seem like a burden. You are blessed, the Bible says, when you are persecuted. We need to say like Jesus, not my will, but yours be done in my life. Romans 14, 12 says, this calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints who obey God's commands and remain faithful to Jesus. Now let's finish on how God reveals himself as long-suffering through our heart. Remember, believers in Jesus receive the very life of God, the Holy Spirit, his divine nature in our hearts. We carry that. And that life should produce certain characteristics that are s- displayed in the believer as he or she obeys the Holy Spirit. Romans 5, 3-4 through 4 says, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. As you can see here, it's a process and an order. If you want good character, it appears that character is produced after suffering and endurance takes place. We want to just skip to good character and not go through the prior. There are many negative emotions surrounded around impatience. Frustration, anger, annoyance, retaliation, exasperation. If you are short tempered and easily offended, you are probably having difficulties in your relationships. Proverbs 17.27 says that the one who has knowledge uses words with restraint and whoever has understanding is even tempered. If you are a parent, you understand impatience quite well. How many times are we pushed to the limit by our kids? We try to train them and they continue to do the opposite. They need constant attention. They fight with their siblings. They mouth off. They disobey rules you've set to protect them. And although some days we are very short fused and we may burst out in frustration and exasperation. But what do we always do in the end? We continue to love them regardless of the rebellious, defiant and self-centered behavior. We are long suffering with them. We forgive their indiscretions. We assure them that we love them. We pick them up and we put them back on the right path each time they fall. We truly want what's best for them. And that's exactly how God is with us. He's slow to anger and abounding in love, full of unlimited forgiveness and mercy. We are his children and he loves us unconditionally. He is more long suffering with us than we are with our own children when we are impatient with God, we will have a tendency to stop waiting and maybe take things into our own hands. And it is then that instead of waiting on God's timing, we end up suffering the consequences of going outside his will to try to make something happen on our own. And this is what happened with Abraham. He was supposed to receive the promise through his wife, Sarah, but instead they became impatient and they had a son through Hagar, Sarah's maidservant, and that caused tremendous suffering in the family and long term. It is not good to take things into your own hands and become impatient with God. Long-suffering and patience are fruits of the Holy Spirit. God wants these things produced in you so much that he will cause things to happen in your life to cultivate these qualities. These are his qualities. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love. And the best thing to do is don't resist. There's a famous funny saying that goes, God, I want patience and I want it right now. But fruit, as we've seen, is not grown overnight. To have the fruit of patience, you must learn it through experiences and exercise it through situations and circumstances. It's like a muscle you use to become stronger, and it takes time. If you are in a place of suffering, mistreatment, or persecution, remember Jesus went through those things too, and he understands, and you can go to him. God will give you the power and strength to persevere and endure. Here are a few verses to encourage you. James 5.10 and 11 says, As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And 1 Peter 5.10 says, After you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Think how our lives would be effective if long-suffering were exhibited in individual relationships, in families and churches, in workplace relationships. The old nature can be very short-fused at times, and we tend to strike back against offenses with unkind words and unforgiving spirits. By obeying the Holy Spirit, the believer in Christ can say no to retaliation and exhibit a forgiving and long-suffering attitude. As God is long-suffering with us, we should be long-suffering with one another. Living a radical life for Jesus means believing that God is long-suffering. Thank you again for listening. If you know of anyone who could benefit from hearing these wonderful attributes of God, please share them with your family and friends. If you listen to us through a podcast app, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, Spotify, or Stitcher, please write a review. This will create our ratings and help to bring in new listeners. We pray for you, so if you have a prayer request or if you have any questions about an attribute of God, please send us an email at rickandrobinmo at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Next time, we'll be talking about the letter M. Talk to you then.